When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode three, and we're recording on Monday, July 3rd. I'm Katie McLean, along with Rincey Abraham, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, happy 4th of July weekend. Yes, happy 4th! Are you doing anything exciting? Uh, nothing too exciting. I was out of town last week, and so I felt like I was, when I came back on Saturday morning, I was like already super stressed out about everything that I had to do to like make up for being out of town. So I feel like I'm going to spend tomorrow like relatively chill, like just hang out at home and relax a little bit, sort of like post-vacation recovery. <laughs> I was going to say, sounds like you need another vacation on top of that. <laughs> yeah, seriously. That's what always happens. It's like you always need a vacation for your vacation. Mm-hmm. I hear you. I'm, yeah, I'm always down for, for second recovery vacation. <laughs> um, but yeah, and since everyone, well, actually everyone will be listening to this on, was it, the 7th, so I hope everyone else has slash had a good 4th of July. Yes, definitely. Um, Do you want yeah. to uh, kick off the episode with the first sponsor? Yeah, um, we'll do that, and then we can go into uh, the pod- what the podcast is for new listeners. But um, the first sponsor for uh, Red or Dead this week is Libby by Overdrive. Libby is a new ebook app built with love for readers to discover and enjoy ebooks and audiobooks from your library. Uh, it's created by Overdrive, like I said, and it was inspired by library users and was designed to get people reading at reading ebooks as quickly and and easily and seamlessly as possible. Um, it's basically a one-tap reading app so that you're one tap away from the books you're currently reading and uh, one tap away from the recommendations for your next great library book. Um, and you can download Libby on your phone or tablet, um, or you can head to the website meet.libbyapp, that's L-I-B-B-Y app, A-P-P dot com for more information. And I have to say that as a librarian, I was very excited to see oh, to see Overdrive and Libby sponsoring the show because we just discovered Libby at our library and are in the process of playing around with it. So if you uh, if you have a public library card and you have access to Overdrive, um, you should take a look at the Libby app, uh, see if it really is as easy to use as they say, and uh, get downloading some free ebooks from your library. Yeah, it's funny because I actually was just on my library's website over the weekend and I saw the little they had like a thing of about Libby and I was like, oh that's interesting. I wonder what that's about. <laughs> now I know. <laughs> the more you know. Yeah. Learn right? something new every day. <laughs> All right. So why don't you tell tell our new listeners what the podcast is about? Yeah. So we are basically a mystery and thriller podcast. We talk about basically anything that's related to mystery and thriller books. Um, we've talked about like adaptations. We've talked last week, we talked about uh, genres and we talked about the definitions between a mystery book versus a thriller versus a suspense book. And we kind of talked about uh, what we think those definitions mean compared to what other people might define those genres. And we also gave some book recommendations and it kind of ties in well with what we're going to be talking about this week as well. Uh, 
Amazon put out their basically like best of 2017 so far list and they did sort of like a best overall list and then they broke it down by genres. And so we thought we would talk a little bit about the books that they listed for the top mystery and thrillers published so far this year uh, because they had some interesting choices. Yeah, and we will hopefully come to some kind of determination as to whether or not these are actually mysteries. Yeah, so like one of the big things, like the reason why we're talking about it today is because some other like book writers were actually talking about it on um, like the contributor Slack, the one that everyone who writes for Book Riot has access to um, because someone dropped the link in and they were talking about how like I would say a good like third of the books that are listed are potentially not really mystery thriller books. Like, I'm not completely sure how Amazon goes about picking these. I mean, I don't think anyone actually knows because it's not like Amazon ever gives any information into anything that they do. Uh, but yeah, they just like put out this list of books. And when you look at the ones that are listed for mysteries and thrillers, there are like some that definitely deserve to be on the list. Like Magpie Murders is on there. Uh, the Forest by Don Winslow is on there. Um, a Joe Nesba book is on there. But then there are a couple that you're, I, you know, both of us looked at this list and we were both like, uh, why would anyone actually consider that a mystery book? Because I'm not so sure. Um, yeah, I was, um, it's interesting or funny that you mentioned, you know, we don't don't really know how Amazon does what they do, um, but it's and it. I don't know if it's how the publishers promote their promote the books. Like if the publishers are promoting these books as kind of mysteries, or if it's based on Amazon's algorithms that they their super secret algorithms yeah. that they have. <laughs> and if so, I want to know who's creating the algorithms because I mean, you know, it's not that you know that. These books are, I'm sure these are, I haven't read many of the, many of these books yet, but, um, you know, I'm sure these are, you know, fantastic books in their own right, but, you know, it's, it can be kind of, it can be off-putting or even really turn off a reader from a book if they think it's going to be something that it's not. And so that's, I'm wondering, you know, if with books like this, you know, is it, um, or with some of these books that kind of straddle the line between suspense and literary fiction, you know, if someone picks it up thinking it's going to be a mystery, is it, you know, is that going to be disappointing for them? Yeah, I definitely think that it will be, especially if you're someone who reads a lot of like straight mysteries and thrillers, and you might like look to a list like this to be like, hey, what are the new ones that are coming out? I would say there's a significant portion of these where if you pick these up, and you're solely a mystery and thriller reader, you're going you're not going to like the books. Uh, the one on the list that I've read that um, I've found to be questionable was The Twelve Lives of Samuel Hawley by Hannah Tinty. I believe that's how you say her name. Um, yeah, I think so. That book, it's a good book. Don't get me wrong. I definitely would recommend that book for people. But I would never categorize it as a mystery or a thriller. I would just say it's like historical fiction. And it feels more like a Western than a mystery and thriller book. So that was one of the ones where I was like, I don't think anyone who's looking for a like if someone came to me and said hey i want a mystery or a thriller to read i would never recommend this book because this would never come to mind as a mystery or a thriller um the one small element of this book that might be considered a mystery is the fact that 
Uh, the father character in this book has a bunch of like bullet wounds on his body. And so the chapter through the chapters, you're finding out sort of like how he got these bullet wounds, but it's not really a mystery. And I wouldn't even necessarily say that's like the main point of the story either. Like it's about this father daughter relationship. Yeah. And the one that I was looking at and I have not read it yet, but um, the stars are fire by Anita Shreve was listed on there. And um, part for me, part of, how I determine if a book is a mystery or not is how my library categorizes it. So, you know, if I've, you know, if I've put a book out on the new fiction, fiction shelf versus the new mystery shelf, yeah, I'm going to look at that as more fiction rather than mystery just because of how our library catalogs it. Um, but, you know, at our library, The Stars Are Fire is is uh, classified as regular fiction. Um, and the general plot synopsis, it's, again, it's a historical uh, novel in 1947. Uh, there's uh, all of these fires that are um, they're happening all across the um, east eastern border of the United States because of uh, drought that had happened all summer. And like one by one, these small towns are just like a fire starts in one and then it just spreads to the other. And the main character in the book, um, it's uh, she's waiting for her husband to come back. He's gone to volunteer with the firefighters, and so she's kind of watching as her town burns. Um, and kind of wonder, you know, waiting to see if he's going to come back, you know, and, and I guess, I, I guess just from reading that plot description, I guess the mystery could be, you know, um, you know, the fate of her husband, you know, what is going to happen to the town, but it's, it's seems to be more about her as a character and her, you know, her awakening or her, character growth and how she changes as a result of this it's not about the mystery like it's not you know oh someone's setting fires it's not it's not a who done it it's not a survival thriller it's not you know yeah oh we got to pack up our stuff and can we get out of town in time like it's nothing along those lines like where they where you might think like oh yeah this can definitely definitely be considered you know suspense or a mystery or whatever um and i can't i can't remember if there's if there's something in there i feel like a lot of the books i was looking at where i was kind of confused as to why they were on the list i feel like a lot of them like briefly mentioned a detective or an investigator and so that's why they were on the mystery list even though that's not the main point of the story so i can't remember if the stars of fire was one of those but it was one where i was where i was kind of looking at the i was reading the synopsis on goodreads and i'm like yeah i think uh, i think amazon's algorithms kind of screwed that one up but you know i'd say that's more literary historical fiction and you know probably a very good book like i said i haven't read it but not a mystery yeah it feels like Whenever, I don't know, again, we don't know if it's the publishers who are doing this or if it's Amazon who's doing this, or maybe it's just, you know, other people are inputting like incorrect information into like reviews or something like that. But it feels like anytime there's like a question that a book is trying to answer, it almost gets categorized as a mystery book. But a lot of times those questions aren't really the questions that the book are asking, like these books that sort of toe the line between literary fiction and mysteries generally are looking at deeper themes and deeper ideas or deeper relationships. And it isn't really about the 
like simple plot driven question of like maybe how did this single event happen um there's more going on and so i feel like i mean if you are someone who enjoys literary fiction then these would probably be some good books to pick up but if you're someone who purely reads genre fiction or purely prefers genre fiction and mysteries specifically then these are completely not going to satisfy that for you um and well, and here's here's a question. I'll I'll pose it to you as well. So just one that I've kind of been thinking about. Um, are there certain sources? Like if you see a book list on a particular source, are there certain sources that you are more likely to trust than others? Like if one place says that this book is a mystery, and one place says that you know says that it's not, is there you know one that you're more likely to go for over the others, like, you know, Amazon versus Barnes and Noble versus Publishers Weekly versus Entertainment Weekly versus, you know, um, BuzzFeed or Bustle or something like that. Yeah. Like, does that play into it for you? Um, A little bit. I mean, I think a lot of times for me, I use like Goodreads, I feel like is a relatively good source because you can because people can tag their books. Um, And I feel like People are usually pretty good, even though like something might have like multiple tags, but you can see like the number of people who have or uh, it can have like multiple categories or genres. Mm -hmm. Like I forget how they put it on the site, but like on the side, they always list the different genres that a book can fall into. And you can see like the number of users who have used that category. Um, for the book. So I feel like whenever I'm looking at stuff like that, where I see like fiction will be always the top because most of the time these books are fiction. Um, and then the second level might be like historical fiction. And then the third level might be mystery because like more people think of it as historical fiction than a mystery. I sort of use that to narrow things down a little bit. Obviously, it's not completely accurate because it's all, you know, objective or no subjective. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, so like stuff like that though, but I feel like a lot of times there are certain websites and I'm not going to name names, uh, that I feel like don't actually read the books. Like they just sort of like list whatever the publishers give them. Mm-hmm. So like you can sort of tell when you're just when they're just giving you like publisher copy versus someone who's actually read the book and has experience with it. Um, I mean, obviously I'm going to say book riot because... <laughs> But like legitimately, like the mystery uh, newsletter that uh, Jamie puts out, I think it's once a month or twice a month. I can't remember exactly. Might be uh, twice a month. Yeah, I, I think like I've gotten a few of those. Yeah, exactly. I think it's twice a month as well. But hers is fantastic. And she does a really good job. Like she'll cover stuff that's sort of like uh, in between genres, but she'll like let you know that it's in between genres or it leans one way or the other. And I think she does a really good job of providing that context. Yeah, and and you know that she's read like all of them. I know so. she reads so much; it's insane to me. <laughs> I know. I I see her. I see her talking on um, the uh, yeah the insider Slack, and she's listing off all of these books that she recommends for a particular subgenre. And I'm like, oh my gosh! I'm like, give me your reading knowledge. Give me your reading time. How do you do it? I know. Um, I don't understand. She's like, um, like almost. She's not quite at liberty level, but I feel like she's close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I yeah, they're they're two of our uh, Velosa readers. Yeah, um, for sure. And you know, as going back to what you were saying about Goodreads, it's interesting because saying like you know, you said that you trust Goodreads kind of because it's crowdsourced, and you can kind of get like an average or kind of get an overall idea of what a lot of people categorize it as. Yeah, and I realized that I I kind of evaluate 
a book that I'm not entirely sure about in that same way. But my first in my first instinct, like when you mentioned Goodreads, was to say, "Oh, I don't trust Goodreads mm. because it is crowdsourced." Yeah. Um, and yeah, because it's. It's interesting because, yeah, I, I use it in two different ways. I guess you could say I use Goodreads, but I, I take any recommendations that they do with a hefty grain of salt. Yes, um, that's for sure. Also, I was going to say, they are also now, they were bought out by Amazon, too. So. Oh, yeah, that's true. I um, always forget about that. <laughs> yeah, and um, the and one of the reasons why I kind of, not I don't give it a side eye. I'm not, like, skeptical of it. I just, you know, I kind of... Look at other sources before I before I go with you know what Goodreads says about a particular book. Um, I talked about it on the last or our previous episode when we were talking about genre definitions, but and when I was talking about like I have my own working definitions of these as a librarian, um, but you know I have this vocabulary in my head, but that doesn't necessarily mean the same thing as it does for other people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, for just to give a random example, not necessarily on Goodreads, but at the library, we get a lot of teenagers asking for books that are, that they say they want a book with adventure in it. And a lot of times what they mean is something like, you know, like the Hunger Games or, you know, something along those lines. But when I think adventure, I think, you know, like Indiana Jones type of thing. And I'm like, oh gosh, do we have any of those books for teens? Like, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, it's... um it kind of can take on this new, or it can take on these different meanings. And so I look at and I see, you know, okay, a bunch of people have categorized it as this. I'm like, but what does that, what does that word really mean to everyone? Right. So I, I just confuse myself even more when I look at Goodreads. So I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, I'm just one of those people that I'm like, you know, Goodreads was not meant for me. Yeah. I, no, I mean, I love Goodreads, but. Yeah, that's totally, I feel like a legitimate thing. Cause even when I was saying it, I knew in my head that because it's crowdsourced, it's sort of like Wikipedia, like yeah. Wikipedia, you can, you know, like you, for the most part, like you can kind of trust what's on there because for the most part, like people are good about like sourcing and making sure that information is correct and stuff like that. But you also know that people can mess with it. And sometimes there's incorrect information on there. So I feel like Goodreads is sort of like the Wikipedia for books where it's like you can't trust it 100%, but there's good information on there if you know how to like figure it out. Yeah. Um, and uh, Goodreads also reminded me um, for um, as kind of a, I haven't used in a while. Have you are you familiar or have you used library thing before? I used it a long time ago, but I was as like I started using Goodreads in like 2006. So I'm like so fully in on the Goodreads train that it's hard for me to switch over. Yeah, no, I was just wondering, because uh, library thing, you know, that is kind of developed, you know, and organized for librarians to like, you know, ca- to classify their stuff or classify their books. And um, some library catalogs even import um, certain uh like data sets or tags that were created on library thing by libraries for their own catalog records. Oh. Um, so I'm, and, but I haven't used library thing myself in a very long time for my own personal collection. Um, so I'm wonder, I'm wondering, you know, if I were to go back and, you know, use it now, would it, would it be, would it have more of an accurate, um, you know, genre classification. I don't know. Um, if, if anyone is more familiar with library thing, if you have any thoughts about it, let, let us know. I'm, I'm curious. And I also like to have things classified and categorized into <laughs> nice, neat little boxes. So, <laughs> so let me know if it's accurate. 
Um, are there any other sources that you might like, do you use like, I don't know, Publishers Weekly or anything like that whenever you're looking up like sort of mysteries and lists and things like that? I do, um, for my, for my work. Um, and so I use public, I use Publishers Weekly a fair amount. Um, I also, and, and that one, I mean, obviously it's, you know, done er, the books are pushed by the publishers so it's going to be the information is going to be a lot of what the publishers are advertising the books as i mean i know they get reviewed by by independent reviewers but um you're going to get a lot of that kind of publisher information um but yeah i use i use publishers weekly i trust that one um pretty much any kind of i do a lot of a lot of professional uh resources so you know i do library journal but i know not everyone has access to library journal yeah um i i trust Kirkus in terms of its categorization i don't necessarily trust it because they tend to give out a lot of really negative reviews mm. um and so sometimes i take Kirkus with a grain of salt but if they cl- if they classify something as mystery/suspense I'll I'll go with I'll you know I I will believe that that classification, um, but yeah it 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 depends and I'm tend to be more skeptical of commercial resources than yes. than other resources like Amazon and Barnes and Noble I will I'll give I I will consult a, a outside sources before I necessarily go with what what I, whatever classifications they've got. Yeah, I'm also now I'm just curious personally, like how like independent bookstores choose how they classify stuff. Like, I don't yeah. know personally because I've never worked in a bookstore. Uh, so I don't know if you know at all how they choose how they categorize their like if they have different genres, like how they choose, like what goes where. I don't know. Yeah. And I don't know if it if it goes by however the book is uh, is promoted by the publisher. I don't know if it depends on how how other libraries uh, yeah. classify it. Um, I will say um, I've there have been many times where I have gone to half price books and I've been walking along and I'm like I don't know who they're kidding, but this book is not a mystery or this book does not belong in the fantasy section or whatever the genre may be. Although that might just be because they get so many books coming in, I they probably kind of classify it themselves since it's a used bookstore. Yeah, um, but that's. that's that's one place. I mean, half price books. I believe the people working there are very knowledgeable. But if you see a book on the shelf, don't necessarily believe that it is where it's supposed to be. Yeah, <laughs> like, and I found I, fiction and nonfiction, and you know, mysteries and science fiction, and I'm like, mm, yeah, no. I mean, I think it also depends, obviously, on the location as well, because there are some half price books that I've been to where I'm like, I can definitely tell that they're not maintained very well. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, like it's probably also a case of like, you know, people pick up a book and then put it down in a random place and they just don't happen to check yeah. their shelves as like regularly as they probably should for stuff like that. So, yeah. And it must be so hard to keep to keep track of all keep track of all of those yeah. books since they're, you know, it's all based on or most of it's based on um, donations and and uh, people selling their items to them. So yeah, it must it must be it must be very difficult um, to keep track of that. Um, but yeah, I was going to say, well, we I was I think we've we've kind of stayed on topic. I'm like, well, we were talking about book sh- bookstore categorization, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and other stuff. Um, I did um, I did want to mention, and I know that you that you had mentioned that you had an that you had an experience and thoughts about. Um, this particular book, but one book that I thought of immediately that 
I really liked, but I have seen classified as a mystery before. Like, in several places, it's classified as a mystery, and I'm like, I don't know what book these people read, but um, that's Everything I Never Told You by Celeste Ng, which is, you know, it's a book riot favorite, and um, the book kind of, the books opens up with the... Uh, you find out that the the family in the book, their oldest daughter, Lydia, is dead. Like, you find that out in, like, the first sentence. Um, and then the rest of the story is told from uh, kind of alternating perspectives. You get a background onto her into her parents' lives and how their experiences affected how they interacted with other people, how they, you know, the choices that they made in their lives and how they ended up raising their children. Um, and I love the book. But I have seen it classified as a mystery, probably because, you know, someone dies and you're not entirely sure how or why they they died. You know, did, did someone kill them? Was it suicide? You know, was it an accident? So there is that mystery, but I w- or that element of mystery to it, but I would not categorize it as a mystery. And I know, I know you have thoughts about that. Yeah, I was very upset by that book. <laughs> Not because it's a bad. It's not a bad book by any means. I need to say that up front because I know so many people love this book. I was just so disappointed because it was pitched to me as a mystery book, and I'm so and I read it pretty early on, like really soon after it was released. Because I believe I was sent a copy by a publisher, and like the publicist sent me an email pitching the book to me, and they said it was a mystery book, and then I read it and. No, it's a family drama. <laughs> like It's not a mystery book at all. And so when I picked it up, I really wanted a mystery. And I was so upset by it because it's not a mystery. I mean, like you said, there is this one, el- there is this main element that the story sort of revolves around where you find out that Lydia's dead and you have like, eventually you lead up to the point right before her death. So you see what happened uh, to her to cause her to die. Um but that isn't the point of the story at all. Like the whole story is a family drama and seeing these sort of like complex relationships that these parents and kids and different family members all have with each other and the husband and wife have with each other. And it's about like an interracial family in, is it the seventies or eighties? I don't remember exactly when it takes place. Some, I can't it's, um, remember either. Yeah. It's something like it is somewhere along those lines. So it's relatively like early on in terms of like interracial relationships like not early obviously there were interracial relationships for a long time but like it still wasn't like super common yet so there's a lot of that sort of tension happening there and there's a lot of just stuff about motherhood and uh careers and things like that and i feel like oh man it's just not it's not a mystery book i wouldn't have never caused it called that a mystery book yeah, and I'm also wondering too when you mentioned we talk about how complicated the relationships are. I wonder if part of that kind of adds to the feeling of not necessarily mystery like, you know, who done it, but you know, there is this element of mystery in that you don't really know the other person or the other characters as well. Yeah. And so part of it is kind of learning learning who they are and like what makes them tick and you know what happened in their past to make them, you know, the people that they are in, in the present. And I wonder if that you know that constant that is considered a considered to be a mystery by some readers yeah i mean i guess like i think about like books like everything i never told you and i think about like the way that we defined mysteries in the last episode which is basically like you're solving a puzzle and there is a little bit of that element in everything i never told you but i feel but i don't know i just read that book and i was 
I think it's because like the main driver behind the story is just the relationships and the characters. It isn't really the puzzle. Like I wonder if for me at least if the main driver I feel like has to be solving the puzzle. It can't be the side. Like I feel like when I'm reading mystery books like even when I think of like Tana French like the characters are really complex and you get so much great background information on all of these different people but the main driver is still the mystery that they're trying to solve as opposed to everything I never told you where I feel like the puzzle is sort of the minor part of the story and it's really about like a family drama yeah no i i totally agree with with that whole statement right there (laughs) um so i mean i don't think that there's any way that that this you know this question is easily answered or that it's you know all of a sudden we're gonna see stuff you know marketed you know more accurately because (laughs) you know it it's such a subjective thing um but yeah, it's I don't know. It's something for it's something to keep in mind. And I know that when I was um, when I was younger, like I didn't read outside my comfort zone as much. So yeah. you know, if I had an expectation about what a book was going to be, if it didn't meet that expectation, I was disappointed. Like I'm when I was twelve, I read The Haunting of Hill House, and I was disappointed because it wasn't like the two thousand or the nineteen ninety nine remake with oh, yeah. <laughs> Owen Wilson and Liam Neeson in it. And then, you know, I read the book, you know, 10, 12 years later, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, this book is the greatest thing ever written. What I, what the heck? Um, but, you know, back then, I feel like I was I would have been much more put off by something um, if it didn't conform to what I was expecting it to be. And I'm I'm hope like nowadays, I feel like I have a little bit more of an open mind, but it can st- I know it can still definitely be off putting, you know, if you're if you're expecting something that you're not getting. Yeah. Um, But on the flip side, it can be kind of cool if you're not expecting something and then all of a sudden it comes through. Like, you know, you're not expecting the book to be as suspenseful as it is. And then it's like, oh my gosh, this is totally suspenseful. Um, That's that's kind of fun too. But yeah, I also um, think a part of me is also wondering too if, because if you think about it, like, If you know anything about the way like book sales works and books popularity, like literary fiction books tend to be not very popular um, in terms of just like numbers sold. Like the books that make publishers money are genre books like mystery thrillers. So part Mm -hmm. of me is wondering if they're marketing these literary fiction books that have like this tiny bit of suspense as a mystery suspense thriller book, just so that way they can get it into the hands of people who otherwise would never pick it up. Yeah, and I I think that is that's definitely probably something that that factors into at least at least some of these books, um, or the I and I don't have a good book example off the top of my head, but it could also be, you know, if the author has you know if they've written mysteries and thrillers in the past, but then if they take a more if their next book is more literary, if it's still marketed as a mystery or thriller, because that's what people are expecting. Yeah. Um, I mentioned again, not a literary reference, but I mentioned when I was, when I was texting you earlier about how much I hated the movie, the village, yeah. the M night Shyamalan <laughs> movie. Because I'm like, that's two hours of my life. I will never get back because I was expecting it to be a horror movie. Like I had seen, uh, the Sixth Sense. I had seen Signs at that point. Um, I had not seen Unbreakable, which is not a horror movie. No, but um, but you know, and the village. But the village was marketed as a horror movie. Yeah, and then and it 
by the end of the movie, it definitively was not. And I was very upset. Um, and this was like probably 15 years ago that I saw this. And so I still have not gotten over it. Like I will not watch the village. Like my boyfriend, um, he, I think, I think, I think it was my boyfriend. I think he said he, he really liked it and he can't understand my, my hatred for it. But no, it's funny. It's funny that you say that because I actually know people who fall on both sides. I know people who love the village, but I think it's because they went into it with no expectations of what it was going to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I know people who went into it wanting a horror film and were so upset by it. (laughs) Yes. I, I carry grudges like this for a very long time. Um, Uh, so I, if you, if you love the village, I apologize, but it is on, it, it is on my list of things that, that I irrationally hate. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. So should we move on to our second sponsor? I think we should. All right. So our second sponsor for this episode is Blackstone Publishing. Uh, so we have three books that from Blackstone Publishing that we're going to briefly talk about. The first one is called Feta Morgana by Stephen Boyette and Ken Micheroni. And then the second book is False Flag by John Altman. And then the third book is When Dead Men Meet by Mark Mills. Now, these are three books that fall into three different genres, uh, but they basically are all perfect for summer reading and they sort of cover all what you would consider like perfect summer reading books. Uh, One of them is a political thriller. The second one is a historical thriller. And then the third one is a science is sci-fi with a World War II twist. And all of these, again, are published by Blackstone Publishing, which is a new print and ebook venture from Blackstone Audio, the largest independent audiobook publisher in the United States. And they are currently celebrating their 30th anniversary. Um, So if you are looking for some high caliber original works that will fit into the longer, hotter days of summer 2017, uh, check out any of those three books from Blackstone Publishing. All right. Um, so, uh, I've got a few new releases that definitively fit into the mystery, <laughs> suspense, thriller, crime genre. Um, but I, when I was looking at, uh, some of the upcoming releases, uh, there's, I mean, all three of these, when the more I was reading about them, the more I was like, oh gosh, I've got to add this one to my reading list too. So there goes my Goodreads list. Um, <laughs> But the uh, the first book that I have is American Fire, Love, Arson, and Life in a Vanishing Land by Monica Hess. Um, that comes out July 11th. So if you're listening to this on Friday the 7th, this will come out on Tuesday. Um, and this is a nonfiction, true crime, but also kind of a sociological uh, look at a particular culture of America. Um, there were... I can't remember. I think it's. I think it's in the. It was in the 21st century. I can't remember that point of the synopsis. Um, but there were dozens and dozens of arson reports across this particular county in Virginia, and the um, there was a 67 year old man who ultimately confessed um, to setting all of these all of these uh, fires, and he imp- and he also implicated his girlfriend as an accomplice, and he gives this full confession about his crimes, but it points to both this really dark, complicated, fascinating love story between him and this woman, and it also gives a darker 
uh, picture of rural rural America and the economic difficulties that they have that they have endured over the decades. So on so one part is like complicated personal relationship. The other part is is true crime, and then the other part is this larger kind of macro view of like rural Appalachia um, and the their economic difficulties. And this is a really thin book. So there is a lot packed, in, packed into this small book. Um, so that is American Fire, Love, Arson, and Life in a Vanishing Land by Monica Hess. Um, sorry, go ahead. I hear a... Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just wanted to say that I have that book and I'm super... I haven't read it yet. It's actually a spoiler for, a few, for the next section, but it's one of those books I have on my list to read as soon as possible because it sounds fascinating. Yes, I think I have a copy of it um, on my, uh, I, I have a, an advanced copy of that on my list as well. So it's short. Hopefully I can, I can fit it in sometime this month. <laughs> Use it uh, the 4th of July to like catch up on some of these mystery books, right? I, you know what? I think I'm going to have to. <laughs> um, the second book is called Soul Cage by Tetsuo Honda. That comes out on July 18th. And this is what I believe the second book in the series starring homicide detective Reiko Himikawa. Um, I don't know if that is a second book like this is actually the second book in the series or if it is the second book that has been translated into English I don't know if it was if it was um I don't know if this was a previously translated uh, translated book um but yeah Soul Cage by Tetsuo Honda um and is this mystery surrounding a severed hand and a missing man who may not be the person that the detective and her uh, and her team think he is. Um, so there's this uh, there's this man who disappears. All they find is a severed hand, and as they're trying to figure out who this person is, and they think they've got a, they've got a beat on who it is, someone comes forward and says, "I know the person who you're referring to, and that's not him." Um, so it's this, it's supposed to be this really dark, fascinating mystery. Um, I got super excited because it has a female homicide detective as the lead and also mysteries surrounding, uh, strange severed hands is always a win in my book. Um, <laughs> cause that's just how I roll. Um, but that is Soul Cage by Tetsuo Honda, um, comes out July 18th and I will, uh, I'll probably start with, start with that one and then I can let you know if, if you can if you have to read the first book yeah, <laughs> to make to, sense of the second. I mean, I was with books like this, most of the time you're good just picking up wherever, like usually detective based, like crimes books, you can, you're good just picking up whatever book you have available to you. Yeah. I, I'm thankfully not always a person that has to start at the beginning of a series. So hopefully, so, um, so hopefully that won't matter too much. But yeah, that one, I, w- I was really excited to learn about that one. And then the last one I have, I s- sadly did not write down the... Um did not write down the uh, release date, but it is it's it's around mid July, I believe. Um, it's My Sister's Bones by Nuala Elwood, um, and this book uh, follows a war reporter who returns home from Syria to attend her mother's funeral, and then uh, she becomes convinced that there is something very wrong going on in the house next door. There's um, in a, I believe an Iraqi refugee. Um, who is living who is living next door to where her mother used to live and she becomes convinced that there's something you know that there's there's something 
wrong going on, something wrong going on with the, with the family that lives there. Um, but because she's returning from Syria, she's, you know, she's not sure how much of her, how much of her thoughts she can believe, you know, what is real, what, what of her thoughts is being driven by grief, how much of this is driven by childhood trauma, how much of this is trauma from her time spent in Syria. So you get this really interesting blend of, you know, different, you know, complications where the narrator, she doesn't know if she can trust her own thoughts. We don't know if we can trust her. Um, but it's it's supposed to be a very, um, you know, a very interesting twist on the psychological thriller. And I think having the angle of, you know, a war reporter coming home from in, an area like that, I think that'll, that'll provide a very interesting angle uh, to that to that particular story. And again, that is My Sister's Bones by Nuala Elwood. And that is another book I have currently sitting on my shelf that I have not read <laughs> uh, yet. That one comes out July 11th. I just Googled July it. July really. 11th. Thank you. Okay. So My Sister's Bones comes out on July 11th, same day as American Fire. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I like I feel I love doing this podcast, but I also hate it because all of these books sound amazing. I want to read all of them. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like, it's becoming painful now. I see so many amazing books. I get so many books in the mail from publishers. Um, and I'm just looking, I'm going like, oh, I want to read you, but I don't have time yet. I know. Someone needs to, I like when I was a kid, I think I was like a teenager when I thought of this. I was like, why hasn't anyone created like a remote control for life where you can just hit a pause button and like we can like take a, like take some time to do something. So I was like, I need to like pause life for like a week and let me read all these books. Agreed. I think we need we need to get on that and invent that right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there there's nothing that'll stop us from making that happen. No, no possible bad, you know, implications for creating a machine that'll pause time. So <laughs> Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll jump right on that. <laughs> All right. Um, so yeah, let's talk about what we are currently reading or what we've just finished or in some of the books that, um, will possibly be starting soon. Um, yeah, so I'll start. Uh, so I just, like I said, I went on vacation and so I brought, uh, The Moving Finger by Agatha Christie with me, um, which was just so fantastic. Uh, this is, I feel like, I mean, it's one of her... I would say like mid-level books in terms of awareness. It's uh, part of the Miss Marple series. Uh, so that's one of the reasons why I picked this one up specifically because I like Miss Marple a lot. Um, I think I might prefer her to Perot. <laughs> I don't know if that's like a controversial opinion or not. Um, but yeah, so I picked this one up and it was, I mean, it's Agatha Christie, so you can't really go wrong with her. But I thought this one was just really interesting because Miss Marple actually isn't a significant part of the story like she doesn't show up until the very end like I was reading through the book and you're mainly following a couple of other characters um basically what happens is like this brother and sister move to this small town and uh someone is sending sort of like nasty letters to people in the town but the letters are like accusing them of things that aren't true uh so uh, one of the letters that this brother and sister get is like saying that they're not actually brother and sister. They're lying. They're actually like a couple and they're just hiding it. So that way it's socially acceptable for them to be staying at the same house. Um, uh, but they use like harsher words than that. Um, and then like based on one of the letters, someone ends up dead, uh, as you would expect from an Agatha Christie book. So, but yeah, I just thought it was a really fun, interesting book, uh, especially if, 
you're someone who reads a lot of them, I feel like this one's slightly more surprising just because it doesn't necessarily like go down the way you thought it, you think it's going to just because at least personally, I didn't know that much about it other than it was a Ms. Marple book, but she doesn't show up until the very end when she's basically solving it, um, which I thought was really interesting sort of like twist on an Agatha Christie book. But yeah, have you read this one or no? Oh, okay. This comes to the point where I confess I've not read Agatha Christie. I'm so sorry. I oh, should wow. Not, I should not be hosting a mystery podcast. All right. Well, no, you're I tra- officially out. <laughs> <laughs> I started, um, I think I started, I started reading uh, Murder at the Vicarage. Mm. Um, but at the time, it just was not the type of book I was in the mood for. So I, ne- so I put it down and I never picked it back up again. No, that's <sighs> understandable. I mean, it's okay. There's a lot of books out there in the world. You can't expect someone to read all of them. <laughs> I know. No, Agatha Christie, that's, that's been one of those, those books that I just feel, I feel so ashamed that I haven't read it yet. That I haven't read her yet that I just haven't picked it, picked it up because I just feel so ashamed about it. But no, I've that she has actually been on my list um, for a while, especially since we started doing this podcast. So I, Scout's Honor, I promise I will read an Agatha Christie very, I was very like, we soon. might have to do an Agatha Christie episode. Maybe when the movie uh, Murder on the Orient Express comes out or something, we'll like force you to read that one before the movie comes out. <laughs> oh, you won't have, you won't have to force me. It's, it's, it's not anything where, where I'm like, oh, I hate Agatha Christie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is a chance you might not like her. I actually do, ha- do know some people who have read Agatha Christie. I'm still friends with them. <laughs> Because I'm, but, okay, good. but there was a point where I was just like, I don't understand how you don't enjoy it, but those people do exist. So, I mean, some people just don't like sort of that sort of detective novel. So, I mean, I guess that's to be expected. Yeah. Uh, but no, anyways, but no, I think that's a great idea for a future episode. And it, yeah, it can be part tie into the movie in part. Katie reads her first Agatha Christie. Let's see how it went. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that is the book that I have just recently finished i do want to say uh i was reading woman number 17 or i uh mentioned it on the last episode i ended up not finishing that one just because it wasn't doing anything for me i know a couple of people had sent me messages being like oh i want to know what you think of it i ended up dnfing it just because it wasn't really working for me i might pick it up again at a later point uh but yeah that one wasn't wasn't my jam at that point in time um and then I plan on – I haven't decided yet what I'm going to read next in terms of mysteries and thrillers. I have Final Girls by Riley Sager. I don't know if it's Sager or Sager. I'll say um, Sager. Yeah, Sager, Sager. sounds good. <laughs> and I kind of want to pick this one up because this one is being marketed really heavily right now. Um, it has a lot of like push behind a publisher. Uh, this is one where I don't um, – Basically, Riley Sager is a pseudonym and it's supposedly for like a pretty big author. I don't know if it is a big author, but they're making it sound like it's supposed to be a big author. Um, And Final Girls is about um, like this one girl who goes off on like a camping trip with a bunch of her girlfriends and all of them die except for her. And so she ends up joining the support group of other girls who have been through similar situations where like a group of people go out on some trip and all of them end up dead except one. Um, So they call themselves the final girls. And then sudden like you flash forward in time, I believe. And then like the the people from the final girls start dying as well. So yeah, it sounds really interesting and it has sort of like that big summer thriller 
buzz behind it. So I kind of want to pick that one up just because I want to read it before it gets like too hyped. And I don't want to read it anymore because that definitely happens to me. But I also have, like I said earlier, American Fire. uh, And that one just sounds fascinating. So one of those two, possibly both. I mean, we'll see what happens by the next episode. (laughs) Um, Yeah, when you mentioned Final Girls, I don't know if you saw how Liberty promoted it on Twitter, but she picked that one as her pick for Book of the Month. Yeah. For the Book of the Month Club. And she described it as Gone Girl Meets American Horror Story. And I went, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way I can resist a book with that with that description. So I'm I like, know. well, that one just shot up my list. Yeah. So that's the thing. Like, I feel like I'm hearing really good things about it. Uh, so I feel like I need to pick it up now before it gets to that, like, sort of tipping point of, like, too many people are talking about it. And now I can't read it because there's, like, too much pressure. <laughs> Oh, yeah, so, yeah, got to get it in early. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, yeah, what have you been reading? Well, I uh, finally finished uh, Tiny Pretty Things by Sona Chirapotra and Danielle Clayton. And I say finally not because it was a drag to get through, because it was not. It was delightful. Um, but long story short, my main car was out of commission for a very long time. Um, and I had to have a rental car and the rental car did not have a USB hookup for my phone that the audiobook was on mm. and it was a digital book and I did not have it on CD. So I had to wait until I got my new car that had a USB hookup so I could finish listening to it. Um, so that one, uh, that one took a little bit longer to get through than I anticipated, but I loved it. I mean, I mentioned, I mentioned it on a previous episode and it is, it was described as, Black Swan meets Pretty Little Liars. Having listened to the whole thing, that is exactly what it is. That is exactly what you get. Um, it's it is a longer book, um, and the audiobook does take a while to get through if you choose to go that route. But the characters are so interesting, and their relationships are so interesting, and it's so juicy and full of drama, but serious at the same time and really complex. And this was just a fantastic novel. I mean, it's a fantastic young adult novel, but it's just a, it was just a great fun novel at, at just on its own. And I, uh, and I'm really excited to start, uh, reading or listening to the sequel, um, which is shiny broken pieces, I think. Yes. Okay, as I was gonna say, it's very similar to the fir- to the first title. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have I have that one waiting, and I'm not always a series person. Like a lot of times, I feel like okay, you read the first book and you kind of get the gist of it. But I enjoyed this one so much that I was like, okay, I've got to read the sequel like really, really soon. The sequel is really interesting because I think uh, Sonia Chiraprother and Danielle Clayton do a do really interesting things with the characters in the second book because you see growth and change in them, but they're also still like the same characters from the first book. So it's, it's a really like, it's, it was sort of unexpected to, for me a little bit, like what happens in the second book. I definitely think that this is one where like both books sort of hold up well against each other. Oh, excellent. Because the, the, like I said, the characters were the main reason why I, why I loved it so much. So Sounds like you get more of that in the second one, so I will definitely have to um, have to get to the second one very soon. Um, and then uh, I am well. I'm starting slash currently reading um, a couple of books. I actually have, took this whole 
Fourth uh, of July week off. Um, because oh, nice. This, yeah. Well, this is also my birthday week. And oh, happy birthday! <laughs> thank you. Um, so uh, that is always my birthday gift to myself. I give myself a few days off from work, um, and I usually spend the time reading. Um, so I'm going to try and plow through a few books this week. Um, but I did uh, start reading The Magpie Murders by Anthony Horowitz. Yeah. Yay! I am really enjoying it so far. Um, I'm about probably a third of the way through. Um, and, uh, I won't rehash the details since I know we've mentioned it a couple of times on here. Um, but yeah, very, very interesting. And I'm already thinking of a bunch of people that I can recommend it to who I think would really like it. Um, so I will, um, I'm really excited to move farther into it and see how the story within the story plays out. And I'm really excited. Um, but I also am going to try and read more, um, mysteries this week by diverse authors and the one uh that i heard of fairly recently that really intrigued me was the man in my basement by walter Mo- walter mosley um and i was gonna say that that is walter mosley right not walter yeah. dean myers okay yes. i always i'm always afraid i'm gonna mix up their names okay so walter mosley um but it's the story of uh the main character who is black and he there's a knock on his door and there's a white man standing there and offers him an enormous amount of money for for the for him to uh for the main character to cage this white man and keep him trapped in his basement oh. and yeah and so you have the you know on the on the one hand you have just the fact that this is a very bizarre request um but then you also have kind of the implications of what is someone going to think if they, you know, they come into this black man's house and they see he has a white man chained up and imprisoned in his basement? Like, what is, you know, how is that going to play out? And obviously, you know, the you learn stuff about the man who's making this request, and obviously things are not all as they seem, but I, the premise just sounded so fascinating and it is just it sounded so interesting that I that I immediately like went out to and went out and bought myself a copy of it. And uh, that is going to be sitting in a pile uh, on my stack of books for me to try and get through this week. So uh, I am very much looking forward to that one. Yeah, I'm excited to see what you think of it. I've never read Walter Mosley's mystery books. Like he's so prolific and he writes across so many genres. It's insane. Like when I was uh, he came to Book Riot Live um, this uh, in 2016. And so I was looking his books up and I was just like, wow, he's written like everything possible. (laughs) It seems like it's insane. Yeah, we have a ton of his books at the library, and they're yeah they're categorized general fiction. We've got mystery, we've got hard suspense, we've got science fiction, we've got a mix of both. Yeah, um, it's 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 yeah he writes so many um, he writes across so many so many genres. It's really amazing. Um, so yeah, that is the show. Thanks so much to everyone for listening and for checking us out. If you enjoyed the podcast, definitely um, recommend it to other people. And if you would like, you can definitely leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Uh, so that way other people can uh, discover us and hopefully enjoy our mystery and thriller discussions. Um, as always, any of the things that we talked about, definitely feel free to uh, leave us comments as well or to send us uh, what you think about these best of lists and sort of the books that we talked about early on in the show. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Rincey A. That's R-I-N-C-E-Y-A. And you can find me on Twitter at K-T underscore Library Lady. All right. And then we will talk to you guys next time. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.